Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Beyond the INC, the podcast that demonstrates that you can indeed have a strong and stable coalition between keen news and knob gags. Coming up on today's show, with Night Train riding high in the charts on both sides of the Atlantic, we'll be looking at just how successful Keane's first major label EP has been. We'll relive the night we sweated buckets at Keane's live comeback, and we'll be reading out your messages to the band about what you make of Night Train. What a packed Night Train launching show we have for you today, so let's not waste a second and kick off with some news. So that was the week that Keen were installed at the top of the album charts for the fourth time in their careers. So whether this is their fourth number one album, or just their first number one EP, it's still a fantastic achievement for the band. And in addition, Stop For A Minute finally decided to make a fashionably late appearance on the UK Top 40, jumping more than 100 places, squeezing into the countdown at number 40. Mm. It's clearly not the greatest chart performance for one of the band's singles, but uh, I think it's great they've you know finally made it into the rundown. I think that's the 10th of the band's singles to make it on the charts now. So, all good over here in the UK for the band, and elsewhere around the world there's even more good news. Um, The EP's gone straight in at 25 on the US Billboard 200. That's an amazing performance, really, considering how low profile the band had been, you know, since Tom's rest in 2006, was it? Yeah, I mean, that was four years ago, and they've... Um, I can't get where, where did uh, Under the Iron Sea chart in America was it number four you know incredible performance but they've been almost anonymous over there since I mean the, the last sort of Canadian tours were very small small venues weren't they so it's, it's great stuff um, I think given that they've got this massive week of promotion coming up over there this week I think you know maybe it'll stick around for a little while too Good so to see, um, yeah. you know um, congratulations to the band on, on that achievement it's also in the top 20 in the Netherlands and Spain, despite the fact that the band completely shunning the European continent in terms of live shows and promo art. Yeah, I think it's an indication of this fantastic loyalty that the band are being shown by their fans over in continental Europe. Um, no shows over there, no promo, really. And I think a lot of them made the trip over to the UK to see the band at the fridge. Hmm. Fantastic. Um, more on that later, though. Uh, so on balance, I think it's fair to say that Night Train has been an overwhelming success so far. Not bad for a stopgap release designed to give Richard time to birth a few views, Tom time to prevaricate about doing a solo project, and Tim time to piss around with Kylie while shopping for chaps and cowboy boots. So let's talk about promo for a minute, and I think we have to doff our caps to the band. See, in the past, when the band have had material out, they've hit the big-name media outlets to plug the record. Yeah, they've done uh, big interviews with Q or Observer Music Monthly, you know. They've played on TV as well, uh, the album chart show, or, or you know, one of the other mainstream TV channels here in the UK. Any, any of those, but this time, in keeping with the sort of offbeat way that the albums come together, I think they decided to promote themselves through a range of outlets that, to be quite honest, may well have been drawn at random from a hobo's hat. <laughs> Maybe just by throwing darts at a display in W. Smith. Yeah, I mean, we've seen um, a couple of weeks ago, Tom had the cover of The Gay Times. Um, incidentally, The Gay Times reviewed the Fridge show and they made sure to mention that Jesse had the cutest butt in the band. Good to know. Good to know. Oh, well, look, Tom also pops up in my own personal favourite magazine, uh, Today's Golfer. Incorporating uptight sporting afternoons weekly and Walk Ruiner monthly. Yeah, he was talking about his stance, his swing, and all manner of other stuff that no one really cares about. Now, away from the printing presses and um, niche magazines, uh, Radio <laughs> 1 was altogether shunned. Um, instead, they were on every mother's favourite arts programme front row on Radio 4. These are all obvious choices, aren't they, of Western yeah. Rock King? 
Um, but, you know, as for doing a regular music programme, no chance. No, Tom and Kane on instead popped up on Sky's cut final day edition of the fairly risible Soccer AM. Um, for absolutely no reason whatsoever, unless, of course, Kanon is a, like, a you know, closet Portsmouth fan or something, I don't know. Well, um, I mean, he's doing, he's doing Coca-Cola's World Cup song, so there's a, a tenuous link A tenuous there. football link there. Tom allegedly likes Ipswich, but, yeah, it was a slightly, a slightly odd decision. Um, yeah. There were, of course, some conventional radio appearances, like yeah. um, XFM and Evening with Keane, and uh, the live session they did for Simon Mayo on Radio yeah, 2. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Simon Mayo thing, because um, they did this great cover of uh, Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac. Um, now, I don't know if you cast your mind back to uh, Christmas when we had Tim over. Um, he uh, he picked up my um, uh, copy of Rumours, and we started talking about that, so, you know... I think as far as we're concerned, we inspired that cover. Is yeah, that what d- we're saying? D- why not? Why not? I think so, yeah. Um, anyway, I think if you're interested in seeing uh, these interviews or listening to any of these, um, you can go onto the Keen message board on the official website, and there's plenty of links on there. And as for the gear times in today's golfer, you can find those in your local news agent if you can bear the embarrassment of buying them. I mean, God, imagine if someone thought you liked golf. Beyond Time to get down to this week's biggest item of business then. The live return of the band after seven months away. So, uh, the Brixton Fridge was the uh, the venue, and what an unusual venue it was. It was hot, it was idiosyncratic, it was in Brixton to start with, which um, probably not ideal for most of us. It had a bar that served LucasAid. Uh, it was weird. And very, very hot. I mean, it, naming it the fridge is just kind of beyond yeah, ironic. Just wrong. Um, actually... It was advertised outside as the last ever live fridge show. Um, and then someone came and removed it from the marquee altogether. So um, whether that was the last ever Maybe show Maybe they there. just got a booking that afternoon. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a bar mitzvah booked in for next week. <laughs> yeah, anyway, anyway, yeah. It's, uh, it was the 1,100 capacity venue that yeah. we uh, stumbled over last time. Uh, there's a queue formed outside the venue from 5am as people clamoured to see the new songs live for the very first time. Now, um, as I usually like to do, um, I came down nice and early to speak to some of the people who'd made the effort to be at the front of that queue, and uh, one of the people I spoke to was Carmen, a lady who saw the band's last gig of the Perfect Symmetry Tour over in Spain uh, at the back end of last year, but she'd made the effort to fly to London to see them launch the Night Train EP. Here's what she had to say. (laughs) So, why do you think the show will be special compared to the shows in Spain or, or Portugal? I, I always have a dream to come into London to see the band here because I think it's, it's his town, they make an effort, I think, to please the audience. Because it's home. Because it's his home, no? Their home, sorry. And when, when they play outside, they make an effort to, but it's not the same, I think. And I don't, they didn't know what the, re, the audience, what the audience can do, if they clap or not, or they know they are sing their songs, something like that. Do you mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you. <laughs> um, so, w- what are you expecting to hear tonight? Which songs? Expecting to hear. I or, uh, my favorite one is uh, "Stop for a Minute." I love it. Well, I understand they w- they might play it, what with Kanan being here. Yeah, it's a plus, I think. See, well, see, well, wouldn't that be terrible if they just decided not to play Looking Back or no, Stop I for a Minute? I think so. <laughs> K- Kanan just sort of stood there looking sort of like impotent and 
and I don't know. I prefer, I I like the team was singing your love, but I don't know. There's a lot of talk about whether that's going to happen, but I guess we'll see. No, he said to us, and when they are coming to the gig, and they they didn't they they are frightened. I think no. Apparently, apparently it's, it's difficult for him, no, to compare with Tom Voices. Apparently, um, apparently the band have sound checked it though. Yeah, I had doing sound check and then singing. Oh, <laughs> what but, a pity! Oh, I want to hear him. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, thanks very much for talking to Thank us. Thank you very much for you. Well, a little bit of action for me on the streets of Brixton there. Um, <laughs> lovely. Uh, so the clock ticked around to 7pm, doors opened, and we were all allowed into the fridge, which was bathed in UV light for some reason. I think it's so they could check we'd all washed our hands. Um, I think everyone wearing white looked like they were glowing in the dark. I was nice. wearing a, a white hoodie and I felt very, very self-conscious. Yeah, there was this um, tall, pretty girl sort of standing quite down near the front, and she was glowing like a beacon. Um... So, it yeah. made it quite easy for my girlfriend to find me, I must say. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we really, like, let's start and talk about the uh, the sound system. Because I think that was one of the reasons why it made it sort of a slightly unusual choice. Yeah, I think it, I think we mentioned it was sort of a hip-hop club yeah. originally. That's what its, its origins are. So it was geared very much more towards like, big bass and beats and... As befits the usual genres, you know, played at that kind of venue. Yeah, I th- well, no, I think the um, as a result, what you ended up with was massive bass. I mean, you could really, you know, Jesse and, and Richard, the rhythm section, were like thundering through. I think there's a bit in um, The Lovers Are Losing, you know, in the middle eight, and where there's a kind of bass solo, and then it stops. And when it stops, you really kind of... It yeah, you miss dropped it. down. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was amazing. Um, so, yeah, and... The other unfortunate side effect is that while obviously Jesse and um, Richard were massive in the mix, mm-hmm. um, Tom was getting lost. So the vocals were really sort of murky. Um, the treble parts of the piano were being lost. Um, and it all just sort of got very indistinct. And um, luckily, being stood relatively near the front, I could hear Tom better without his mic than when he was singing into the mic. They say he's got a big voice, but you really notice it when you're standing at the yeah, front. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so I mean that that was a bit of a shame. I mean the um, the gig itself, the performance was fantastic, and I think um, you were saying that compared to the launch for um, Perfect Symmetry or for Under the Iron Sea in particular, they were really, really together at the show, weren't they? Absolutely. I mean, back in time in particular, I know obviously everyone mentioned that song, but. That arrangement was flawless. I mean, often we've seen them change, you know, which parts they use because on you know, on record they can do twenty piano parts and then choosing which of those Tim's actually gonna play yeah. on the night is is quite a difficult choice, but they seem to have it nailed straight away for this yeah. one. The and the I, arrangements were perfect. Yeah, and I don't know whether, you know, that's probably partly to do with the addition of Jesse and partly just to be from uh, becoming a better band over the years. Yeah. I, I think the um the start of uh, going back to under the INC um, I've never seen a more tentative, unsure performance than that Yulu gig. Yeah, where um, the Frog Prince in particular sticks out in my mind. Yeah, and I, I can remember that the the end of the show was there was almost an apologetic sort of finish to the end um, yeah. of the show. It was, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, compared to that, this was just, you know miles ahead. Yeah, I think only looking back, which they played acoustic. Yeah, and I, I think because it was acoustic, looking back, um, uh, they had R- Richard down the front on sitting on his little box. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell me what it's called. I think it's a, I think it's pronounced Hehon. Um, 
and you know Kanon came on um, to do his rap part and I think it just sounded really undercooked um, obviously they haven't had an awful lot of time with Kanon but because that was the first song they did with him he sort of came on looking very nervous and isolated on the stage and he forgot one of his rap parts and tripped over his words elsewhere and it it was sort of if you're going to introduce Kanon I think you would have been better or they would have been better to have him come on and do stop for a minute first yeah and uh, even in two sets you know he if he walked off and had a had a breather before coming back on again yeah but i think i think you know it was i think in fairness they've obviously not had very much time to rehearse looking back and mm. i think if they hadn't had kane on there would they have played it with his vocals off playback i, I can't imagine they would have done so yeah um I think that you know they could they could have used him a little bit better though definitely. Yeah, I mean I was thinking you know the uh, middle eight part of uh, spiraling you know did you want to be a winner? He, if he could have just thrown those eight lines out that quite easily and that would because uh, Tom not that Tom sounds uncomfortable with it but I think you know having Kenan do that that would have been amazing. You basically you've got a section of a song there which is crying out for a bit of a freestyle. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a missed opportunity. But um, I really enjoyed Kenan's contribution. Um, but more more on Kanon later. Um, let's just talk a little bit, actually, about the set list. Um, we just broke this down into um, which songs came from which album. So, um, six songs from Night Train, as you'd expect. Seven. I know you'll tell me it's seven. House Lights has got to count. I know. I know they didn't perform it, but it was played through the speakers. Well, it's, in that case, let's let's put that Florence and the Machine song that was played before they came on on the set list. <laughs> Well, they were on stage at the time when it was perfor- no, when it was played. Weren't. Okay, they were on stage for a few seconds while it was being performed. But I mean, what what what's that got to do with anything? Anyway, <laughs> six songs from Night Train, um, three songs from Perfect Symmetry, um, three from Under the Iron Sea, and then six from Hopes and Fears. Um, so it was basically the very oldest and the very newest, and sort mm. of playing down the middle albums, if you see what I mean. And I actually thought that the ses- you know, as a result, the setlist was really well judged. That the band have actually got enough hits now to do a real proper greatest hit set, haven't they? It was quite front loaded, and I was thinking, oh, they, you know, they're just playing all the hits to get us on side. And then I realised actually, they've got an awful <laughs> lot of greatest hits now. They can they can play a sixteen song set, and it's just gold after gold after gold. It's the kind of thing, even you know, if you get someone in who's not a big Keen fan, they're still going to recognise most of the songs. Definitely, definitely. Um. And I think if we talk a little bit about the crowd, it was mostly a, a hardcore sort of partisan crowd. You knew what you know, knew what to expect from them anyway. Mm. Some really good banter, I think, with Tom um, down at the front. Um, there was that bit um, when he introduced Your Love um, and said that you know normally Tim would, uh, sings it, but he was going to sing it, and he actually got booed, which yeah. is something you don't really hear very often at a King gig. But he he took it in in good humour and laughed at it. Yeah. A lot. Uh, well, there was uh, again. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment. But your love. Um, a lot of people were desperate to hear Tim perform that. There was even a massive banner, two massive banners down at the front yeah. for uh, for Tim to perform it. But uh, unfortunately, he let everyone down. Himself, his class, the headmaster, everyone. Um, but yeah, never mind. Um, <laughs> um, Something else I'd like to say about the set is that um, Is It Any Wonder was third in the set, and I think it's a great pacemaker. Um, You know what I mean by that? By having Mm. it really early in the set, it really gets everyone up on their feet and right into it straight away. Yeah. Punches you in the stomach and wrenches you into the show, rather than having it in the, you know, right at the back of the show in the encore. You know, it's it's a great sort of climactic song. 
But I think it showed us that, you know, it's the kind of thing that can really build the atmosphere. So, yeah, and also I think the old material sounded really fresh. Whether it was just the, the, the sound mix in the venue being really sort of bass heavy, but um, I'd like to sort of highlight Nothing In My Way, which I haven't heard live in a long time. It was good to see it back, and I'm glad that some of the plodding songs of Under The Iron Sea, that I've, you know, A Bad Dream, uh, Leaving So Soon, I'm, I'm glad they're gone. Um, hopefully for good, or at least hopefully for. A well, few I mean, years. Th- they've got these choices now, haven't they? With four albums under their belt, they can they can pick and choose as they see fit. It'd be great to see a set list with either or on. That'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I've said that for years, though. Um, technically, mm-hmm. Richard, um, I don't want to kiss his ass too vigorously here, but I, I thought the drumming was absolutely magnificent all night, like super tight, tighter than t- tighter than he's probably ever been. Yeah, I'm not sure if they used uh, as many click tracks. It sounded, you know, for back in time, I think that was, um, I think that was, you know, just played live mm. without click tracks. So. See, I think the relationship between Jesse and Richard has been yeah. developing, definitely in a non-homoerotic way. Um, the the musical. Maybe Richard noticed what the Gear Times noticed. <laughs> Maybe they weren't glancing at each other so they could keep tying. It was just Richard ogling Jesse's ass. Um, no, I th- I thought the the chemistry between the two of them has. God, this is sounding gay. Um, <laughs> I, I felt, though, that the bass and the drums were together as one in a way that they probably haven't been before. I was trying to make that not sound gay either. Um, Should we just move on? Yeah, the, the rhythm section generally, that's the, the point I'm making is that, that that was fantastic. Good stuff. Um, but anyway, less of what we think. How about we talk to some fans? Um, straight after the show, I went right outside and I grabbed the nearest people I could find. Uh, I think this is uh, Gabriella and Shelley. I think I think that's right. Um, but here's what they had to say. Okay, that was pretty um, breathless and intense and knackering. And that was the first gig that Keen have done for the Night Train EP. Um, I have with me Shelley, who I spoke to earlier. Uh, how was it for you? It was excellent. Yeah, I the sound was a bit naff in places, but I don't think that was down to, to them. It's just the venue, but excellent... Uh, Playlist, <laughs> set list even. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Good to see Kanam. Thought that went really well. Um, Tom forgot his lyrics on a few songs, um, but all in all, great to see them back. A little bit rusty in, in places, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's no need to be negative about it. It was a great show. Excellent. Yeah, I'm not negative. I, I like the, I like the, the, the cock ups and things. It shows that they're human and shows that they're enjoying themselves. They'll get used to things, won't they, as they go along. So yeah, let, let's just run through the uh, the set list for anybody who who wasn't here tonight. So, starts off with Back in Time. Amazing. I mean, it was it was a song for to start the gig, and we. It's it, a song to start the end of the world. The drums were <laughs> enormous. Yeah, the, the drums were just really amazing. From from the front row, it was just like whoa. Hit you, didn't they? The drumming in the like the last sort of bit really hit you in the face, didn't they? Drumming from Richard. Um, we'll just pick through some of the highlights because we haven't got a set list right in front of us. But (laughs) um, yes, your love was in there. However, not as we were quite expecting it. Disappointing that Tim didn't sing it. To be perfectly honest, and personally, I don't think it suited Tom that well I think it's Tim's song and he should sing it 
there's that sort of fragility and vulnerability to Tim's vocal that actually the song really needs. And with Tom, that big, the confidence, even when he tries to rein it in, I, you know, I, I didn't think it worked really. But no. I mean, the song went down very well live, but it's like we already are used to listen to Tim voice on it. And when he finished, everyone went chanting, saying, uh, asking Tim to sing it. I think there'd probably be quite a lot of disappointed fans that Tim didn't get enough confidence in himself to do it. Especially now he's doing his own thing with Mount Desolation. You know, he's going to have to get over his fear because he's not got a bad voice. So then we got to the uh, then we got to the acoustic section, which this time was try again, and then we welcomed the special guest of the evening, Kanan. Amazing, brilliant. Again, Amazing. cool dude. <laughs> Man, that that guy was just rocking the um, the stage up and down. It was just amazing. I, I thought he maybe maybe lacked a little bit in confidence when he first came out. Sort of maybe for, forgot a word or two in uh, looking back. I think it was because of the acoustic song. I mean, it's not the proper rocking song. It, it was a rocking song. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was an acoustic song, so he he probably he was trying to find a way to sing alone on it. But then, stop for a minute, it was just massive. Everyone were enjoying themselves. He was enjoying themselves. The band, uh, Tom was loving it. Stop for a minute could become a bit of an anthem with the... Oh! Indeed, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it really it really bounced along, yeah. you know. Um, I tell you, it's one of those things where anybody I think would have doubted it on record would hear it tonight and would say, right, I, I get it. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's better live than, like, spiralling is. I don't think spiralling works as well live as like, something like Stop for a Minute does. It really transfers and you can get... It's, a, it's an involved song, isn't it? You can get the fans involved singing along. I was singing on the rap. <laughs> Actually, one thing I will just say, if I can... I don't know, I, I hate to be sort of, uh, you know, unnecessarily negative at any stage, but I started disappointed with the, the radio edit version rather than the actual proper version. Yeah, I was expecting to sing along all the, <laughs> all the rum, <laughs> and it was just half of it. <laughs> but it's all right. So, um, of the other new songs, we also got Clear Skies. Um, it was all right. I mean, I was expecting more... That song, I was expecting something more acoustic. There's plenty of clapping from Tim, but I think it needs a bit more work on that live, and I think the confidence as they go along with it. I, I, I reckon that also it's pretty difficult to play live, because he has so many percussion stuff going on that it's like quite difficult to get that playing live. Like They need more people on stage. Yeah, I think the, the, the hand claps, yeah. without someone doing the hand claps, it doesn't really work. And yeah. I don't see any reason why they couldn't have had a sampled hand clap yeah. that played out through it. I mean, he was clapping, but you couldn't really hear him. You could see him doing it, so it got the fans doing it, but you couldn't hear it like you can in the, in the song. But I think they can work on it and make it a lot better live, it to be honest. Yeah. Um, a welcome return. Nothing in my way. I love it. <laughs> I was over the moon because I love that song and it has been 
out of a set list for quite a long time in the UK and I just I love it I love it I was over the moon with the song I put it, one of those things where you listen to it and you've forgotten how good it was you know what I mean yeah, it's, it's been a song that's been around you know since Kane have been around really hasn't it but it's still a cracking live song a um, little bit of a change towards the end of the set bed shapes uh, no longer the last song in the encore but it was the last song in the main set how do you think it worked? It, it worked, but I think they'll end up putting it back to the end of the encore again. I think it's just a, a keen thing, isn't it? I don't know whether it's somewhere only we know worked at the end or not. I disagree. I had to disagree with you, you know what? Because um, I absolutely love the swing of the set list. The, the difference and I think it really works to end up in that high with uh, Somewhere Only Winner I think it really works Yeah, I am um, well, as I was going to say they, did, they ended with Somewhere Only Winner it's a nice, up, the upbeat but it's the original anthem every band has the anthem and it will always be Keane's original anthem Yeah, so it's the well, it's the song everybody knows them for, doesn't it? That and everybody's changing. So it's good for, you know, I think it'll be good for especially if they keep this set list for, like, the Forest Tour for the people that will be seeing them that maybe don't go as much as we do. Um, I think it'll work quite well because they'll go up. So, yeah, a fantastic show. Great night that we've had here. And um, I think really full steam ahead now to the Forest, uh, the forest shows as the night train gathers speed. <laughs> and I think that's a great way to wrap up our look back at the Fridge Show. But, of course, that wasn't the only show we went to last week. Just three days on from that sweaty night at the inappropriately named Fridge, Keane played a very different sort of show at the BBC Radio Theatre in Portland Place in central London. Now, unfortunately, Chris had a very important engagement to go to, so I had to go along as the sole Beyond the Iron Sea representative on my own. So, what was the story then? Um, I haven't really had the chance to fill Chris in on much of this, um, but basically it was a, um, an invited audience of about 300 people, um, people who'd either... Um, taken tickets from the website or um, won tickets from Keen Music or whatever. And it was an all an all seated show. I, I don't know if you've ever been to the BBC Radio Theatre. No. Nope. Um, but it's basically this um, acoustically perfect sort of little um, theatre that was built, you know, a few years ago with our licence pairs money. Mm-hmm. Um, plush velvet seats, um, lovely stage, just a really nice place for a band to perform and acoustically brilliant. Um, so we were shown in, took our seats. So the, the, um, the opening part of the set was exactly the same as at the fridge. Um, and the first six songs were performed to um, this entirely seated audience. Um, everyone sort of sat still, tapping their feet. Um, and I was sat in the front row, um, and it's this uniquely uncomfortable experience to be in this sort of hushed, posh, reverent atmosphere Um with the band knocking out Is It Any Wonder at absolute maximum volume and you're just sort of sat there, you know, trying to get into it and tapping your feet and acutely aware of the fact the audience behind you is sort of in their 40s and 50s. Um, and Tom was going like hell for leather. He was going nose to nose with this um, young lady in the front row, um, bellowing the chorus at her while she sang it back to him as well, which was fantastic. <laughs> um, 
And then after the six songs, um, Tom introduced uh, Canaan, and he came on to uh, to massive applause and says, right, before we do this, I've got to say, Tim, you've got to start singing that song, um, talking about your love. Mm-hmm. You got the biggest applause of the night. Yeah? Biggest applause. Um, anyway, looking back again was kind of ropey. Um, again, felt kind of under-rehearsed. Um, what happened this time is that Canaan sort of stumbled through the rap a little bit, um, stopped and then went back to try and recover his position. And unfortunately, the rest of the band, instead of improvising a couple of bars so that Canaan could get to the end of the rap, they just played exactly as on record. Uh-huh. And Tom just sort of came back in and sang over him, which is a bit bizarre. But Okay. Um, I don't know whether you'll hear it on the radio like that or whether... They might recut it, you know, they can do all kinds of clever things. Yeah, I mean, they, they could quite easily... Um, I've been to the radio theatre before and I've seen bands have to re-record songs uh-huh. um, after everyone else has gone home or just in front of the audience again. But Anyway, after all that, Tom orders the audience to get to their feet and to be quite honest if you'd have done that after the first song everyone would have just got straight up and as soon as everyone got to their feet led by the front row jumping up so that no one could see if they stayed uh, seated uh-huh. um it was a completely different show absolutely transformed and um they did stop for a minute and it sounded fantastic really really good um certainly Kanon had this sort of chemistry with some of the audience at the front who all knew the song, they knew his parts, they had his rap down, and it se- he seemed genuinely touched by that. Mm. Um, and really, I mean, the show just went from strength to strength from there onwards. It was really, really fantastic. And after that, was it sort of a similar sort of set list to what we saw at the fridge? Yeah, um, it was ever so slightly shorter. Um, so we lost three songs, Bend and Break, um, The Lovers Are Losing, Nothing In My Way, sort of one each from all of the old albums. Mm-hmm. Um, they finished the main set on Bed Shaped, uh, and I reckon a good proportion of fans down the front would have said, you know, that was probably one of the most fun shows they'd ever been to. No perfect sound, unique setting. Um, they came back and they just demolished the rest of the audience with the encore. It was, yeah. uh, again, they finished with Summer Only We Know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, whenever you walk out of a venue and you hear people talking about it in terms of, you know, that's probably maybe the best show I've seen them play. Um, you know, it was good. I, wow. I, I wouldn't go that far, but um, <laughs> I think it was uh, it was a unique setting. I've only been to the Radio Theatre once before, and I saw Radiohead play. Um, and I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that they they were much better than Radiohead in the same venue. High praise indeed. Yeah, um, I um, I strongly recommend that if it ever happens again, if there's ever a chance to see them playing in the Radio Theatre, go along because it's a it's a fantastic place to hear a band playing music. And if you'd like to hear the full set, then you can hear it on BBC Radio 2 on May the 27th at 8 o'clock. I strongly recommend that you do. So, over the past few weeks, whilst you've had a chance to get to know of the night trim, we've been asking you to send in your thoughts. Um, we've had quite a few. Um, let's start off with the uh, the tweets that we've had over the last week or so. Um... First of all, a little bit of a downer. Muldoon, uh, listen to it once, has two tracks I'll bother listening to again. There's always one, isn't there? Yeah. See, he, he's the kind of person who would prank call our voicemail and leave something ridiculous on it. Yeah. What a joker. J- should, should, we, should we read out the proper Twitter names? This is Jane A 3 Yep, she said, Night Trend surpasses expectation, bursting with life at Brixton. If Tim Rice Oxley were to spring clean his mind, what other songs would we find? I think that's a, a powerful piece of rhetoric there. 
Uh, Foley Me next. Uh, loving Night Train, particularly the Canon tracks, but most of all, your love. Tim should definitely guest vocal more. Lots of love for Tim here. Lots of love for your love. <laughs> and uh, Mel A. Carr. Have to admit I was sceptical about Night Train, but now I can't stop listening to it. Keen can do no wrong. Your love is brilliant. Another vote for your love. I mean, this is getting, you know, this is garnering all the all the praise, isn't it? So, turning to our email now, we've had uh, something from Caroline Points. Um, she sent us a, a lovely long email. Um, talks about the artwork, which she loves. Um, but she says, my favourite song on the EP is Your Love. Tim's voice suits it perfectly. It struck me that this song wouldn't be out of place on a Kylie album. The overall sound of it instantly brought her album Fever to mind. Hopefully the song Tim has written for her new album will make the final cut, and I'm intrigued to hear whether it will sound anything like this. I also really like the Canaan songs, looking back more so than Stop for a Minute. Definitely agree with your opinion on the latter regarding how much better the rap part flows on the full version. I really like the inflection in Tom's voice when he sings Somewhere Else and Over Your Shoulder just before Canaan's rap in Looking Back. I think that's something they've kind of got a lot better at. I mean, we were just listening to um, something me was dying earlier, and, and the vocal on that is quite kind of plain, whereas, you know, in the past few albums, Tom's got more and more expressive in his vocals. Yeah, definitely. I think previously he would just use the power of his voice to blow you away mm. um, at certain points, whereas now I think he's using his voice much more as an instrument, as a tool to express himself, and I think that's... Um, and it contrasts really well with Kiernan, what Kiernan does. Yeah, well. definitely. Um, I, I think the vocal that he delivered on Looking Back is just fantastic. And I'm, I'm glad there's some people who agree. Yep, thank you for all your comments and keep them coming. Please do. So, before we finish, let's wrap up with some items of news that you might have missed over the past few weeks. The track listing for Kylie's new album has been announced, and Caroline will be happy to hear that Tim's track has indeed made the cut. It's called Everything is Beautiful, and the album will be out on the 5th of July. Elsewhere, Tim recorded a special solo acoustic version of Your Love for internet video site Babelgum, who then, of course, decided to ruin it by cutting an interview with Tim over the top of the song. Uh, now, luckily, they put up an unrestricted version of the song too. Otherwise, you'd have. Uh, otherwise, we think we'd be having words with them. Uh, you can head over there to their website or to keenmusic.com to hear it. So, as we mentioned before, they've got a US promo tour coming up this week. So, let's quickly run through what's going to be involved in that. They're going to tape an appearance on Kelly and Regis, which I think is some kind of lifestyle chat show for women on Monday. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, th- that'll be on air on May thirty first anyway. Um, there are two small live shows planned too, which you guys could be excited about. They'll be recording an acoustic session at the World Cafe in Philadelphia, which is a great venue in its own right, and uh, one where Andrew and I had a memorable dinner together in 2006 on our first and last international adventure together. Hey, you know, there's pl- <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think there's plenty of life in us yet, Chris. Yeah, good times. Yeah, definitely. Um, there will also be a free show at the Borders in Columbus Circle in New York. Uh just after the, under the INC, the band did a show there and uh, signing in the very same borders, I believe. W- weren't you there? I was. Uh, I was. My very first trip uh, to America. It was out on the balcony and it was really, really good. So good, in fact, that the entire backline decided to fail midway through Somewhere Only Wiener. <laughs> Perfect. Um, if you're anywhere near New York, you'd be fool not to go along and, and maybe see that happen again. And finally, 
Keane have been announced as special musical guests at Bedeal and Skinner's live and unplanned World Cup send-off party show at the Lyric Theatre in London's West End on June the 7th. Let's hope they've rehearsed a cover of Three Lions then. And that is our news roundup for this time. And that really is it from us for this time. Who would have thought when we started this that we'd be talking about how well Keen used their rapping special guest during a show at the Brixton Fridge? Or that we'd be talking about the band having a number one selling EP? Or about Tim having a song on Kylie's new album? Or that I would have cut my hair short? Well, if there's one thing that we can say for the band, it's that they'll always keep surprising us in the best possible way. And let's hope they keep on surprising us for years to come. So from both of us, goodbye.